0: Welcome to Kingdom Living Ministries, where our vision is knowing God, loving people and making disciples. We trust this week's message will be a blessing to your life. Enjoy the teaching ministry of KLM. All right,
1: we're going to continue our message we did last week on praying for the loss. Tonight, today, I should say this morning, I'm going to talk about praying effectively for the loss, praying effectively for the loss. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, I come to you in Jesus name and I thank you for this opportunity to share your word with your people. I pray none of me, but all of you grant unto me, your son and your slave, supernatural divine utterance that I may boldly may known the mysteries of the gospel. I yield myself to the spirit of God, spirit of the living God, rise up on the inside of me and anoint my mind and anoint my lips. Make my lips of a tongue of a pen of a ready writer. Give me the tongue of the learned that I may speak to them that are weary I pray for supernatural, divine utterance that I may boldly may know the mysteries of the gospel. Grant unto your people the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you, that the eyes of their understanding will be enlightened, that they may know what is the hope of your calling and what are the riches of the glory of your inheritance in the saints. What is the exceeding greatness of your power towards them that believe? Thank you, Father, for this time together as we declare your word. I thank you for the joy of the Lord. I thank you for the peace of God. I thank you for your healing delivering power in Jesus' name, amen. Thank God for His Word. Thank God for the the grace of prayer. We can pray. Do you know we can pray to the Lord and things will change? You will change, most importantly. I will change, most importantly, as we pray. Then our things will change, things in our lives, things that have messed us up for life, you know, things that, um, that we need change. So, prayer changes things. And even if we're part of those things, he, prayer changes us. So you, you and I need to be people of prayer. Don't ever be. Don't ever short circuit your prayer life. For anything else. Your prayer life is very important. And so with that said, we're gonna continue talking about praying for the lost, but today I'm naming it praying effectively for the lost. I don't know about you, but I want to learn how to pray effectively for the lost. Don't ever think that you know everything there is to know about prayer. I have several books about prayer and I love studying the, the this topic of prayer. And these are this is a topic that is it's just it's, it's vast. I mean, it would take all eternity to really master. Um, Prayer. No one has a Ph.D. in prayer. (laughs) I think we all got a kindergarten uh, certificate in prayer. Even those of us who've been around a little longer than others, I'm telling you, prayer is one of those things. The more I pray, the more I realize I don't know how to pray. The more I read the Bible, the more I realize I don't know know much of God, (laughs) but I thank God for what I do know. And we know in part, as First Corinthians 13 says, we, know, we see in part, we know in part, we prophesy in part. So don't ever think that you have come to a place of arrival, but, but we all at a place that we can learn and grow. And I mean, you should always be hungry for God. Keep your hunger. Stir it up for God. Keep, Keep your mind renewed. Keep reading those scriptures, those same passages that you've been reading year after year after year after year. This is week 26, I believe. Week 26 in our Bible reading program plan. So make sure you're reading that and stand up with that and feed yourself on the Word of God feed yourself and put your face in the face of Jesus and worship God and so forth. I can talk, I could talk all day about this, but we're going to talk about praying effectively for the lost. I have a scripture in Isaiah chapter one, verse 18, Isaiah chapter one, verse 18 says this, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord, though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be a, as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. And then the next scripture says, "If you're willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land." So the part, the first part of that passage says, "Come, let us reason together." God wants us to reason with Him. Come to Him with His Word. I'm telling you, you cannot. You cannot outgrow this simple truth that you can pray, you need to pray with the Word of God. So, the Lord says, come, let us reason together. And then he he continues and says, if you're willing and obedient, you should eat the good of the land. If you're not eating the good of the land, that means if you're not living in the best, driving the best, being the best, uh, having the best looking family, what's happening? You're not willing or you're not obedient. So, the Bible says, if you're willing and obedient, you eat the good of the land. So make sure you're willing. Make some adjust, adjustments on the inside of you so that you can be willing. Willing to do whatever God wants you to do. Willing to go wherever God wants you to go. Willing to say whatever God wants you to say. That's the part of the Bible that many people have failed at, including mine, myself. All right, we're talking about praying effectively for the lost. So let's go to our golden text. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2, and let's look at verses 1 through 5. First Timothy chapter 2, talking about praying effectively for the lost. Verse 1, it says, First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people. So, this is an urgent need in the world. God wants us to supplicate, to pray, to intercede, and to offer up thanksgiving for all people. So those are four different categories of prayer. Supplications simply means petitions, prayers, it could include all of it and and others. Um, Intercessions simply means standing in the gap for someone who can't stand on their own, and thanksgiving, that means offering up thanksgiving for people. When the last time you thanked God for your spouse or for your children or for your parents or for your pastor? to offer up thanksgiving, thanking God for each other, thanking God for what He has already done in your life. And it continues, verse 2, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful, quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. So, this passage tells us that we need to pray for those who are in authority. Uh, Don't neglect that. Make that a daily habit of praying for the president, the governors, the congresspeople, the senators, the lawmakers, the officers, those who are in authority. Pray for your pastor daily. Thank you for those who are praying. Often you're You know, if I call you and you say, oh, what do you need prayer for? I love it when that happens because that lets me know that it's not, you know, there's a a partnership in the gospel. I'm praying for you and you're praying for me and and together we can make great things happen for God. Verse three says, this is good and it's pleasing in the sight of God, our savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come into the knowledge of the truth. So God desires all people to be born again. God wants your neighbor to be born again, God wants your enemies to be born again, God wants your in-laws to be born again, God wants everyone to be born again. And then he goes on, but he doesn't stop there. He wants them to come to the knowledge of the truth. So it's one thing to get saved, but it's another thing to come to the knowledge of the truth. Then he says, for there is one God and there's one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, notice it says the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. So, this passage tells us that God wants us to make intercessions, supplications, thanksgiving, and prayers for those who are in authority. And we talked a little bit about that. And one of the things that we're praying for, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. Why? So, we can spread the gospel. When things are not hostile, Um, It's not a hostility environment, hostile environment. We can spread the gospel. It's easier for us to spread the gospel. And so we talked a little bit about that last week. We talked about Jesus being our intercessor. We also talked about... Offering up prayers for for the gospel growth, there are three things we should pray for as we as we pray for the gospel to increase. One, we should pray for laborers, and we saw that from Matthew chapter nine, verse thirty-five. Let's let's just take our time. Let's go back to Matthew chapter nine, Matthew chapter nine, verses thirty-five to thirty-eight, and we're we're talking about praying. I think I labeled it praying for the lost, but we're gonna we're gonna pick up on that a little bit later, but Matthew chapter 9, Matthew chapter 9 verse 35 says this, and Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they, had, they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest field. And so we are to pray for laborers. If we want the gospel to increase, we need to pray for laborers. All right. Another thing we need to pray for is for people to be For their eyes to be open for the Word of God to have free course. So with that said, let's go to Romans chapter 10. Now, last week I made reference to praying that it's not God's will or it's unscriptural to pray for God to save someone. I said that last week, but I want to bring clarity to that. So as you go to your Bibles in Romans 10, let me, let me, let me bring clarity to that. When, when, I, when I was making reference to not praying for God to save someone, I'm simply saying this. This is what I'm saying. So, don't twist my words. Listen very carefully what I'm saying, all right? Are you listening to the words that, that's coming out of my mouth? All right, this is what I'm saying. I'm saying for, for us not to pray for God to save, to save Nick, Nick was the example we used last week. Lord, save Nick. That is not a scriptural prayer. What we're praying for is for Nick to be saved but for him to receive what Jesus has already done. Jesus, God has already done the work in Christ for Nick to be saved. So, now Nick needs needs to receive what God has done for him in Christ. So, when you say, sometimes when when you're praying, God saved so-and-so, You're praying that for, it sounds like you're praying that God go and do the work for him to be saved. So what I'm saying is God has already done the work. Now we're just praying that Nick will receive what Jesus has done for him. So I'm going to show you this in scripture, Romans chapter 10, Romans chapter 10. It says this Romans 10 verse one, it says brothers and sisters, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them, it's talking about Israel, that they may be saved. So, here's Paul's desire for Israel to be saved. He's, his prayer is for Israel to be saved. So, we should pray for people to be saved, but to not to pray, God save so-and-so, what what, what Paul is saying is, I'm praying that they'll receive their salvation, and he explains how. He says, for verse 2, for I've heard them witness for I heard them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God, seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law and the righteousness to every one who believes. And so here Paul is saying they went around establishing their own righteousness and they're ignorant of God's righteousness that is in Christ. And so, his desire and his prayer is for them to be saved, but he realizes not so much that God needs to resend Jesus to the earth to to die for them, to do the work for their salvation, but actually, their eyes need to be ignorant, because he says that they're they're ignorant concerning God's righteousness, and it goes on in verse 5, For Moses writes about the righteousness which is based on the law, Paul is saying, we don't pray, Lord, come down and touch me, right? Or, Lord, come down and save me. No, he's already done it in Christ, right? And this is what he's refuting. But he tells you how, verse 9, because if we confess, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you will be saved. So, when Paul is saying, Lord, I'm praying that Israel be saved, I'm praying that they will confess with their mouth, believe in their heart that God has raised Christ from the dead and confess that Jesus is Lord, then they'll be saved. So, he's praying for their eyes to be open. they're ignorant concerning God's righteousness, For them to not go around saying, you know, Lord, touch me and come from heaven, because he's already come he already sent Jesus from heaven to do the work. Now, they just need to receive what Jesus did. Let's continue. Verse 10, for with the heart, this is, so he, remember, his desire is for them to be saved. So, this is how they're going to get saved, by them confessing with their mouth, Jesus is Lord, by them believing in their heart that God has raised them from the dead, for with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says everyone who believes on Him or in him will not be put to shame, for there is no distinction between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So, the key is getting people to call on the name of the Lord. If we, if they can call on the name of the Lord, then the salvation that is in Christ will be experienced. They will encounter salvation. Let's continue. Verse 14, how will they call on him in whom they have not believed? So, you can't call on someone that you you, you don't believe in, right? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? So they can't call on them. What happens when they call? Whosoever calls on the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. So if they don't believe on him because they haven't heard, then how can they call on him and experience salvation? He says how are they to hear without someone preaching. So they can't hear without a preacher. And, and preaching is not necessarily hooping and hollowing, but it's actually proclaiming. Preaching is for it. Preaching is proclaiming. Teaching is explaining. You preach to unbelievers, but you teach believers. The, the body of Christ doesn't need more preachers, but they need more teachers. We proclaim to the laws, but we teach to the believer. All right, that's a little nugget. You can take that and run with it. All right. How are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. And he goes on. He says, For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what He has heard from us. So, faith comes from hearing and hearing through the Word of God or the Word of Christ. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So, this, check this out. So, we pray according to Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 to 38. You know, it says Jesus had compassion on them. He saw them as sheep scattered, helpless. And then He says, the harvest is plentiful. So we look out, look out into the world. We see the harvest is plentiful. There are more people ready to be saved than there are people ready to proclaim the good news. We got more people ready for this gospel than we are ready to proclaim it, right? So this is what we do. We pray, Lord of the harvest. Lord, we're praying that you will send laborers into your harvest field. So what God does, he moves on the heart Of believers to go perhaps get a job somewhere or get get a house in a a specific neighborhood. He moves on people's hearts and moves people in position to preach the good news of Christ. Are you getting it? And so God moves on people's hearts, believers hearts, to move and, and, and to navigate, put them in a neighborhood or put them in a particular position. So that the person that is ready to hear the gospel, the gospel is proclaimed. So here it says, how can they hear without a preacher? And how can they preach unless they're sent? How beautiful are the feet of those who carry the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it says, um, so faith comes by hearing and hear the word of God. So when the word of God is proclaimed to the unbeliever, they hear it. They believe it, they confess it, and then they're saved. Romans chapter 1, verse 16, let's go over there. Remember, I'm going to take my time. Romans chapter 1, verse 16, I'm getting excited. I'm trying to control myself. Romans chapter 1, hold your places in Romans 10, but Romans chapter 1, verse 16 says this For I am not ashamed of the gospel. What's the gospel? It's the good news. For it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. So the gospel is the power of God. Many times people will talk about the power of God. Oh, I want to see the power of God. We got people worshiping worship. We got people praising praise and we got people wanting uh, an experience or an encounter with God. But listen, child of God, you're not going to have an experience with God without the gospel. God uses the gospel to manifest his power. So unless you hear the gospel, you you won't experience his power. Here we go. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God. For what? Salvation. So it's not enough just to pray for someone to be saved. It's not enough. Notice it's okay to pray for someone to be saved but we're not praying God save so-and-so because God has already saved them in the sense that He provided for them to be saved. He provided what was necessary for them to be saved. He satisfied His own wrath so they can walk in the favor of God for I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Notice that it is the power of God for salvation. That word salvation means um, rescuing healing and deliverance and protection and to be saved, to rely on Christ for salvation. So salvation is the rescuing one from their own sins rescuing them from the judgment and the wrath of God, right? Um, Emmanuel, the God with us, God, he, he's, he's going to send his son to save us from, save his people from their sins. And so we're praying for, not for Jesus to die on the cross again, we're praying for the for, the, for laborers to go across their path, for God to send someone. Listen, let me just say a side note. God does not always use you to minister to your own relatives. God doesn't always use you to minister to your own relatives. He he uses people in the world. I mean, people outside of the family to minister. Maybe perhaps they can't hear from you because, you know, y'all got history. You know, or, are they too familiar with you? And so therefore he uses people that is, That is totally different. Someone who has favor with them. That's what he does. He moves and they become, you know, he he allows the believer to become friends with the unbeliever. And there's a rapport there. And therefore, the gospel is able to be preached in a way that that person can receive. So here the scripture says, for the power of God, for salvation to everyone who believes. So when you believe, when we hear the gospel, when we believe the gospel, that's when we experience the power of God. When the lost hear the gospel, it's one thing to pray for the lost. But if we just pray for the lost and no one ever goes and preach the gospel to them, they'll never be saved. You cannot, let me say this, this is very controversial. You cannot birth them in the kingdom of God through prayer. Sometimes people have this, this mystical um, ideology, let me birth someone into the kingdom through prayer. You don't birth people into the kingdom, right? You're not the one to cause them to be born again. The Spirit of God births them into the kingdom of God. He causes them to be born again, causes us to be born again, to be regenerated. Our prayers prepare the way, But it's the spirit that brings them into the kingdom of God, not us. Sometimes people like to say when somebody gets saved or I prayed them into the kingdom. No, you you co-labored with God. You know, God did the work. One planet, somebody else watered, but God gave the increase. So let's stop taking credit for what God has already done or what God God has done the work. We just, we just so, so blessed to partner with him. So here, go back to Romans 10. It says that, how shall they call on him whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach without, unless they've been sent? And faith comes by hearing, hear the word of God. So we pray, Lord of the harvest, send laborers. So God answers their prayers by sending people into the lives of the lo- our loved ones. And then that person connects with that person. There's a rapport and they they friend that person through acts of kindness. They get to know that person and that person, God moves in their heart. This is now witness to them. And they open their mouth and begin to share the gospel with them. And they either plant the gospel, plant the seed or they water the seed. So what's the difference? Let's go over to that scripture. I'm going to take my time. I'm learning the more and more I get into this ministry thing. I've been in it for 25 years. So I need to take my time. When I was a young buck, I used to preach real. I did like 100 scriptures a minute. I'm going to take my time. All right. The older I get, and I'm not that old, the older I get, I'm going to slow down a little bit. Right. Because I don't think that I have to share everything at once. Back in the day, I used to think I, I had to preach the whole Bible <laughs> in one service. Not going to happen anymore. <laughs> uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Let's take a look at this. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And this is and not this is not even in my notes. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Actually, it's 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And let's jump down to verse five. It says, what then is Apollos? What is uh, Paul? So they were, you know, they had their allegiance, they had their favorite teachers. You know, some people like Michael Todd, some people like T.D. Jakes, some people like John, um, Gray, some people like Joel Osteen, some people like Paul Washer, John Piper, some people like Kenneth Hagan, or Kenneth Copeland, Fred Price or Creflo Dollar, or Bill Winston, some people like PD, all right, some, you know, it, I, I mean, I just, I don't know, all right, so you have your favorites. What then is Apollos? Uh, uh, what is Paul? Servants through whom you believe. <laughs> As the Lord assigned to each, All right. So God has assigned a person to speak into your life. If you're part of Kingdom Living Ministries, God has assigned me to speak into your life. I'm I'm not everything to everybody. I'm a, I'm a a pastor and a teacher to KLM. Right. God has sent me into KLM as a pastor and a teacher to speak into you. So I am spiritually responsible for you. I'm not not responsible for meeting your needs financially, right, but I am responsible for taking care of you spiritually speaking. I'm not responsible for being your best friend or any of those things. God did not call me to be your best friend. He called me to be your pastor, to be a teacher, your prophet, your mouthpiece God sent me to be. in in your life, to speak into your life, and sometimes people get familiar, oh, that is PD, that's just Pastor Dwayne, now you better, you better recognize the gift of God, not that I'm somebody special, but I want you to honor the gift that God has given us, right, you need to honor, and the prophet, prophet Andre Williams spoke about that, and we do need to honor, go back and listen to that, and and let that feed into you, Um, here we go, so what then is Paul? Apollos. What is PD? Uh, Nothing but servants to whom you believe as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Paul says, and Apollos watered. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants, he who waters are one. Each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers or co-laborers. You are God's field, God's building. Let me say this. How do you know? What's the difference between watering and planting? Watering or planting is you never heard it before. So if I share something with you that you never heard, I'm planting. And then if I come alone and I say something else to you and you heard it, now I'm watering what, which was already planted. So as believers, we may encounter people who's never heard the gospel before. And when we have encountered those people, we're planting. But if we go across people who have heard the gospel before and we proclaim it to them even more, then we're watering it. So one plants, one waters, but God gives the increase. So this is how God works. He sends laborers. We pray, Lord of the harvest, send laborers into your harvest field. And now God uses their prayer. He answers their prayer by moving on believers to get to know the person that we're praying for, and then that person begins to proclaim the gospel to the. Remember, proclaiming is not teaching, it's just simply announcing, declaring who Jesus is, what He died for their sins and what what he's come to accomplish, how God raised him from the dead, how he's coming back and so forth. They proclaiming the good news. If they heard it before, that seed has been watered. If they heard it for the first time, that seed has been planted. Let's go back to Romans 10. Isn't that good? That's good news. I mean, I, it took me a little bit, oh, a long time to to understand that. But when, when you understand if I plant, it's because they never heard. But if I'm, I'm watering, if you heard it before, so don't ever get tired of hearing the same things over and over again, the same truths, because it's just it's been water. And, the, and but it's God who gives the growth and the increase. So Romans 10 verse 14, it says, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed and how are they to believe in him of whom they have not never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching and how are they to preach unless they are sent as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who, who preach the gospel. All right. And so we pray, Lord of the harvest, send laborers across your pathway, their pathway. And when God does, he, they hear it. And when they hear, faith comes. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So faith comes. When faith comes, faith comes in their hearts. And when they grab hold of that faith, they believe it. One believes and is justified and one confesses and is saved. And so they believe with their heart and they confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord. Then salvation happens for them. Salvation is for everyone, but everyone will not experience salvation because they need to hear. And when they hear, they believe and they call on and they confess, whosoever calls on the name of the Lord. So our goal is to get them to call on the name of the Lord. And how do we do that? By proclaiming the gospel to them. And and, and we're talking about praying effectively for the lost. So you're praying, Lord, I pray for Nick that you'll send laborers across his path. And next thing you know, someone comes across their path, Nick's path and they share the gospel and either that person is planting or watering, but God gives the increase and brings them into the kingdom. All right, I, I took some time. I took my time explaining that, but I, I didn't want you to walk away confused about it. So let's look at this. We're talking about praying effectively for the loss. The word of God is not bound, but but is free to be spread regardless of the vessel. So we need to pray prayers. The kingdom prayers for unbelievers. Um, so let's take a look at John. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And let's look at this message. Um, let's look at verse 19. <clears throat> verse 19, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> it says this that God, that, that is Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ that God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, but entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. All right. <clears throat> so how do we pray for the lost? I mentioned a couple of things last week, but I want to I go over those things so that you can get understanding. The first thing is to pray for God to send laborers to the loved one, to the lost one. All right. So we used Nick last week. Let's let's use someone else this week. I'm thinking of a person and my my mind just went blank. So give me a name. Let's say Andrew. All right, Andrew. So let's pray for Andrew. This is what we pray. Lord of the harvest, send laborers across Andrew's path. That's a scriptural way to pray. All right. That's one. And the two, we talked about praying for the word of the Lord will have free course and rain. That's 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 1. So we're praying that the word of God will have reign and free course with the laborer. Lord, I pray for the laborer that the word of the Lord will have free course and rain and, and, and get a hold of Andrew. All right. So we're praying that God will send laborers, and now we're praying that the word of the Lord will have free course. That's two. The third thing we pray. <coughs> we did say praying for their eyes to be open, but I want to go and pray. Let's do this. The first is pray for the laborers. Second is to pray for the Word of the Lord to have free course. Third, I want to say we need to break the power of darkness over Andrew. So, let's go to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. What what do you mean, Pastor Dwayne? That's the first time I'm hearing this, okay? So, I'm planting. (laughs) Colossians chapter 1. Verse 13 says he has delivered us from the domain or the power of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son. So we need to break the power of darkness over Andrew. So you say in the name of Jesus, I break the power of darkness over Andrew in Jesus' name. That's it. That's all you do. So you pray for laborers. We pray for the word of the Lord to have free course. And now you're breaking the power of darkness over Andrew's life. Well, how do you know that they part of darkness? Because it says that in Colossians chapter one, verse 13, he has delivered us from the domain, domain or the power of darkness or the kingdom of darkness. And so that power of darkness that is controlling that, that Andrew's life needs to be broken. All right, number four, pray for their eyes to be open, and we talked a little bit about that last week, and I think it, it bears to be mentioned again, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3 and 4, it says, and even if our gospel is veiled or hidden, it is veiled or hidden to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world, has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So who's blinding the lost? Satan. Satan is blind, has blinded millions of people from seeing the gospel. All right. So that's why it's important that we break the powers of darkness. The Bible calls Satan the prince of the air. We break his power his powers over the person that we're targeting in prayer. And then we pray for their eyes to be open. So, Father God, I pray that you will open Andrew's eyes. The next part is you pray for God to grant Andrew repentance. Let's go to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy. Come on, bear with me. Sit down. Stop running around. I gotta use the bathroom. No, you don't, I can go back and look at it later. Come on, give me a break. If you can sit down and watch TV for three hours or go to a movies, we're not doing COVID-19, but if you can look at a TV show and not move, you can surely listen to the Word of God for an hour. All right, 2 Timothy chapter, Second Timothy chapter two, verse 25. It says this, Um correcting his opponents with gentleness, that God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, that they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. So, we see from this passage that people are held captured by Satan. Satan has blinded their eyes, And he's making them do his will. He's their Lord. And so we break the powers of darkness and we ask God to open their eyes and we ask God to give them repentance. Lord, give Andrew repentance in the name of Jesus. And then my last two is we want to thank God for their salvation as often as we think about it. We want to thank God, Mark 11, verse 24. Believe that you receive it before you have it, and eventually you'll have it. So thank God, say, Lord, I thank you for Andrew being saved. And then the seventh thing is, don't stop praising God for their salvation until you see it. All right? So one is to pray for God to send laborers. Two is for God, the word of the Lord will have free course and reign with the laborer and the person you're praying for. You break the powers of darkness, over their lives in Jesus' name. You pray for their eyes to be open. You pray for God to give them repentance. And now you give thanks. Every time you, you give thanks for their salvation, and every time you think about it, you, keep, you offer thanksgiving. And that's how you pray effectively for the loss. It is um, unbelief to keep praying for them over and over for them to be saved. Lord, I say, I pray that there's no, we're praying, we're believing, we thank God for the laborers. Lord, I thank you for the right laborers. So this is how you pray. So once you've prayed for the laborers, then you go back and you, you and as you think about it, Lord, I thank you for sending in the right person to Andrew right now in Jesus' name. I thank you for sending the right person, stirring up their hearts. I thank you that the, the laborer, has favor, or it may be more than one laborers. So that the laborers have favor with Andrew. I thank you that when Andrew meets, um, these laborers, I thank you that they are knit, knitted together and that, that these laborers are able to speak into the life of Andrew. So don't get jealous or don't get upset because you didn't get to get a chance to lead them to Christ but you are co-laboring with God. You're doing your part by praying. You pray, so God moved on the laborer's heart to, to, do the, to actually do the witnessing, but you'll get the same reward because you pray for God to send them. And now you're thanking God, you broke the powers of darkness over their life. You pray for the word of the Lord to have recourse. You pray for their eyes to be open. You pray for God to give them repentance. And now you're praising God as often as you think about. It. If you'll just do that effectively, I guarantee you'll have some, we'll have testimonies. Just do that. Go through that list and pray according to the scriptures and begin to speak the word of God and say, Lord, I thank you. You might have a child that is not serving God. Well, I, I, I double dog dare you to thank God for that person, your child been saved, for the laborers to come, for their hearts to be changed, for their eyes to be open. You're, you're taking your time. You see how how lazy it is to pray. God save Andrew. And that's it. I mean, no, that's like, God has already saved Andrew in Christ. Andrew has to just receive it. It's just like being in prison and the doors have already been open, but you're still in prison. You're still living in prison despite the fact that the doors are already open. Walk out of it. That's That's what Jesus, Jesus has set everyone free. They just have to receive their freedom and walk. It's like you're struggling, you know, and your own welfare, and you don't realize, but you have an inheritance. Somebody left you a million dollars, but you're acting like you don't have a million dollars, and you don't, you know, the governor, the government is supporting you. So what do you, you know, it's already done. It's already done. So we're we're just trying to get the message to them that God is not holding their sins against them, but that God was, Um, He destroyed that was that was which was against them He destroyed that and set them free They just need to receive that salvation and receive that and so that's what that's how you pray effectively I pray today that you receive this Word of God and that you are blessed by it Um, I want to hear some testimonies. I want you to be diligent about it go over these scriptures the scriptures that I mentioned Go back over it and listen to it. And you know that, that just because you heard this message last week and this week is not enough. So go back and listen to it. Study it out to see if those things which I say, if they're not true. And and, and, and think through this these passages and pray effectively for your lost loved ones. Father God, I pray for those who are viewing this. I pray that you'll strengthen them and give them the wisdom to pray effectively for, for their lost loved ones. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.
0: That concludes this week's message, and thank you very much for listening. For more information about Kingdom Living Ministries, please call us at 732-324-2200 or visit our website at kingdomlivingnj.org. Also,